You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, author of the five-hour workday and ABC's Shark Tank winner. Stefan Arstall shows that a five-hour workday can actually empower and incentivize employees to be truly efficient. I've asked him to join us today to discuss how making the workday hour change can work to a company's advantage. Stefan, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. Thanks for having me on your show, Rick. Uh, I'm excited to have you here. It's uh, not every show, and we've done quite a number of them, that we get a winner of ABC's Shark Tank, so I want to I talk about that in a minute. But let's talk a little bit about your professional background. In other words, how did you get to the point of writing the book and analyzing the workday? Take us through that. Sure. I've been in the startup world since I got out of grad school in 99, so I've been working largely in Internet companies, sort of really in the information you know, economy, information work. And I've just sort of learned to work at a little faster pace. I've been an entrepreneur, so I've been forced to use productivity tools or die. Mm -hmm. And uh, so now with my company, Tower Paddleboards, you know, it's about a six-year-old company. I basically just rolled it out about a year and a half ago to all my employees. I said, look, like we're going to, I want everybody to kind of work like me. We're going to come in, we're going to knock stuff out, and we're going to get out of here. I'm going to give your lives back, uh, but we're going to work at a faster pace. So what do you, uh, what do you see what do you take out of a workday to go from the normal eight-hour-plus workday to a five-hour workday? Well, I mean, the eight-hour workday was basically invented about 100 years ago for factory workers. Um, you know, prior to that, um, in factories, they were working, you know, 10 to 16-hour days, six days a week. And then in, like, about 1914, Henry Ford sort of rolled out the eight-hour workday. And the machines would work 24 hours a day. Uh, it was the Industrial Revolution, so you had, you know, all this machinery came online and assembly lines came online. And so to take best advantage of that, um, they figured they would have workers work three eight-hour shifts, and then the machines would go 24 hours a day. Because the problem was uh, workers went from basically pushing brooms around um, to all of a sudden being highly productive. It was a 10x change overnight mm -hmm. that was brought about by technology. And people, you know, couldn't work 10 to 16 hours a day. They were literally dying on the factory floors and getting sick, and it was very unhealthy in the work environment. Okay, so that was what they were, the eight-hour workday came from. You know, fast forward 100 years, um, and, you know, we're still using the eight-hour workday for pretty much everybody, whether you're a lawyer, a doctor, a, you know, working some Internet company or, you know, a road worker. Everybody still just sort of falls back to this eight-hour workday that was invented for, you know, another time at a very, you know, specific environment, factory. And what's happened, again, is we've gone through this massive sea change in the productivity of humans um, because of basically the Internet and, you know, information technology. We're all a lot more connected now. Access to information is basically instant. So there's been a 10x increase in the productivity of people or the potential productivity of people. So, you know, myself, all of my, you know, entrepreneurial peers that um, can sort of take advantage of this stuff are, you know, a thousand times, a thousand percent as productive as we were 20 or 30 years ago. Um, the problem is, like, you know, regular, um, you know, the regular workforce productivity is up 80 percent in the last 40 years. That's it. I mean, we're talking from, you know, when people had basically a phone and a typewriter on their desk. Right. Um, they're only 80 percent more productive. That's insanity. 
So we're talking with Stefan Arstall. We're talking about his book, The Five-Hour Workday. And we kind of were easing into this. This is episode number 970 here on Critical Mass Radio Show. So I have to tell you, I've worked with a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs, and very few of them only work eight hours a day, 40 hours a week. So I'm, I'm, I'm coming at this from, a, from an experience that suggests that the life of an entrepreneur may require even more than eight hours in a day. So what is the magic secret, if you will, or the, the tools that you teach people in the five-hour workday book to help them be successful at that level of work effort? Well, I mean, the first thing is you just you just basically squeeze people for time. You make every day like finals week, right? We, we in, in our company, you know, we come in at 8 and we're out the door at 1. There's no lunch, so it's straight through. And everybody was told, like, I'm giving you your life back, but now you got to get everything you were doing before done in these hours or you'll be fired. So you put pressure on people. Okay, the first thing that does in a knowledge worker environment is it's like, oh, no, I need to get my job done. I'm going to stop the waste. So they stop the Facebook. They stop, you know, online shopping. You know, the biggest shopping day of the year is Cyber Monday. Everybody is at work. We know people are shopping from their <laughs> desks. This is not, and, and, you know, people are doing fantasy football. There's all this waste because the same tools that allow us to be productive also allow us to appear to be busy but waste extraordinary amounts of time. Okay. So that's what the American workforce is doing. We're wasting extraordinary amounts of time, and nobody is pissed off about this. And like you said, we're not even working an eight-hour day. You know, we're clocking you know ten, eleven, twelve-hour days. You know, wearing a sort of this red badge, badge of courage. You know, to show the boss, but we're really not doing anything, right? We're not more productive. So what you need to do is you got to get out of that mindset of you know managing by the clock, and you manage by productivity. Squeeze them for time. And they get rid of the waste. And the second part of it is they identify, you know, new productivity tools. These are free or very cheap things that are out there that people are not using. Um, you know, entrepreneurial peers uh, and myself, we are using these tools because there's an incentive for entrepreneurs to do it. That's why entrepreneurs are sort of thriving in today's economy uh-huh. where, you know, larger companies are, you know, really struggling with productivity. They don't understand why productivity isn't up. You know, because we have access to all these tools, but people aren't using the right tools. Uh, there's a website that accompanies the book, 5hourworkday.com. On there, you can get the first you know, 50 pages of the book for free. Okay. Uh, but you can also get a, it's a, a list of maybe uh, 30 or 40 uh, productivity tools that we've identified within our company and how we use them and how this you know, makes you know, things that used to take years and you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars that we can do in an afternoon. So there's just a bunch of tools that, that you use, and you basically, by squeezing time, it forces you to identify these tools because you need those tools to survive. So do you find, too, that uh, when you're working with the entrepreneurs who have read your book and want to bring this to their work culture, are there things that companies stop doing that uh, allow the five-hour workday to become a reality in their business? Yeah, and sort of this is, you know, the entrepreneurs sort of uh, have been doing this for a while. It hasn't been rolled out to a whole company. So we kind of rolled this out to an entire company, and it's, I mean, it's basically an experiment. But, you know, some of the techniques that, that I'll use and I'll have, you know, my employees use is one thing is called management by absence. You just, you know, stop doing something and just try and figure out what breaks, right? Mm. So just stop opening your mail for six months at a time. See what happens. You know, stop answering the phone or even responding to voicemail for a month. See what happens. There's a lot of these things that people think are like non-negotiables, like you have to do, that you really don't have to do. 
just because we've always done it one way. You know, you, you really need to look at your business and rethink how you do everything. And then, um, so that's one tool. Another tool is sort of, you know, you really got to analyze how you're spending your time. It's not just about working harder, but, you know, spend a good chunk of your day thinking about how you're working and what inputs are creating what output. And then you'll find that a lot of the stuff you do just doesn't lead to much, and then some of the stuff you do is very critical. Right. You want to start not doing the stuff that isn't leading to results and really double down on the other stuff. It's, it's really, you know, thinking about how you work instead of just working hard. Makes sense. We have about a minute left in this segment here on Critical Mass Radio Show, but I, but I wanted to ask you, is are meetings still a part of your company's culture, or have you found that meetings fall into that, we always have done it, but we really don't need to category? Yeah, I mean, we never had meetings before. We were a pretty efficient company. I mean, when we need to have a meeting, we'll have you know a short meeting, but we don't have scheduled meetings. And if you you want to meet with some people about a topic, you just grab you know two people and and, and meet really quickly. Uh, but we don't have like you know formal meetings. Uh, they're just a huge waste of time. Yeah, because I think that's a you know for the business owners and executives that may be listening to our show live here on octalkradio.net or as a podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, one of the other platforms we use, one of the first places they might go is to the level of productivity that exists within meetings. And then you have you multiply that by the number of people in the room. So that might seem to me to be some low-hanging fruit for those of you listening to the show today as a place to look is do we need to have all these meetings that we're having. Yeah, I mean, and if you, if you starve uh, you know, a company for time, the pressure sort of builds better means. Is, is, so that's really all you have to do. You just starve them for time and then let them say, figure it out. And they're going to say, well, we don't have time to have meetings. <laughs> no, we don't have time to do this. We don't have time to do that. Well, I'm only going to do the essentials and get out of there. And right. then you start to realize that's all you ever needed to do. Well, that's necessity is the mother of invention. Okay, we're going to take a short break here, and I mean a short break. It's one commercial. It's not even really a commercial. It's just an update on one of the things that I products or services that I do. So I would appreciate it if you would stay tuned if you're listening to us live on OC Talk Radio or if you're listening to us as a podcast. When we come back, I'm going to ask Stefan to tell us a bit about his ABC Shark Tank experience, not only the experience, but uh, you know how it was successful for him. So, uh, Stefan, are you comfortable talking about your Shark Tank experience with our audience when we come back? Sure, definitely. All right, don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. This is Critical Mass Radio Show. We'll be right back after this word from me. Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, the Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insight to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Richard Franzi. All of our shows can be heard Anytime on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker.com, several hundred former guest websites whose CEOs have appeared on the show. Since we started in 2009, our shows reached several hundred thousand listeners through our live stream and our podcast. Simply type in these four words, Critical Mass Radio Show, in your favorite podcasting software to find our weekly show. All right, as I said before the break, we're, we're talking with Stefan Arstall. We were talking about his book, The Five-Hour Workday. That was in the first block. In this block, we're going to start by uh, asking you, 
set, do the setup. Tell us a little bit about the experience, kind of pre, during, and post with the Shark Tank. Sure. Yeah. So I'm, uh, you know, infamously known as the the worst pitch in the history of Shark Tank that still landed a deal. Um, so not not the worst ever, just the worst that landed a deal. So I went on the show and I sort of forgot my uh, my lines, I guess you would say, like my sort of you go go on there and you give about a two to three minute sort of pitch, basically, uh-huh. and you got to memorize it. Right. You want it to be kind of entertaining, and I just sort of forgot it about halfway through. Oh boy! And you know the, the sharks started tearing into me, and you know I got called a nerd, I got called a leprechaun. I, uh, you know, three of the sharks were out right away, and then I sort of had to battle back from that. And I was literally, like, silent for minutes at a time on there. It was just very, this uncomfortable thing, and then I had to <laughs> take myself out and come back to get a deal with, uh, and I ended up getting a deal with Mark Cuban. Oh, good. Um, it was for 150000 for 30% of the company. And also, he negotiated for first right of refusal to invest in any business I raise money for in the future, which was a first in the history of uh, Shark Tank. And what was the business that you pitched uh, at Shark Tank? Uh, it was called Tower Paddleboards. So we were sort of a direct-to-consumer uh, stand-up paddleboard company. Sure. Um, at the time, we had $100,000 in lifetime sales. Um, and uh, you know, since we've been on Shark Tank or since we got the deal, we've done a little over $20 million. Wow. So how transformative was that opportunity, getting getting on the show for one, but then actually being successful and getting an investor out of it? You know, we're sort of a search engine optimization company, like okay. an online marketing company that happens to own a surf brand. So, you know, that's kind of how, you know, Shark Tank came to us. They Googled paddleboards, found us as a paddleboard company, said, hey, would you guys like to be on the show? So that was our business. That's how we get customers as well. Being on the show, we were able to leverage that. Um, to go out and get basically a bunch of, you know, press and a bunch of links back to our site, which raised, you know, our traffic mm-hmm. perpetual. So it's funny. A lot of people that go on the show, they think you get on Shark Tank and, you know, you're a millionaire. It's, it's game over, right? But the reality is I'm in a sort of a, this private Facebook group of uh, people that have been on the show. A lot of people, they have this huge spike in their business for about four days around the show, and then it's back to business as normal, like nothing happened. I mean, and they're distraught. They're like, oh, I can't believe that happened. But unless you figure out some way to get a perpetual benefit from this, um, it just comes and goes. And, you know, it's a, such a huge wave that it just washes over most companies and they're not even able to fully take advantage of it. Makes sense. Isn't part of the perpetual benefit that you have someone like Mark Cuban, who's now an investor in your company? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Obviously, the money the money helps, but, you know, having access to Mark and it's direct access to him, you know, I can email him at any time and he, you know, will give me his, his input. And he's actually, you know, loaned us money beyond his initial investment. He, he gave us a personal line of credit for about $300,000 after he was invested for a year because we had proved to them where we were growing pretty well, but we couldn't get bank loans yet. Uh, but, yeah, it's invaluable to have his advice. And to, as a CEO, you know, sometimes you got to make a lot of, you know, uncomfortable decisions. You're sort right. of the final call. It's nice to have someone above you to sort of throw it over your, um, you know, your shoulder to. Sure. And uh, that's that's been you know very comforting for me. Is this firm? Are you still running the firm now? Are you still in the paddleboard industry? Yep, yep. And we've actually we've expanded it out into sort of all beach lifestyle products. Okay. We've got you know these things called air chairs. There's these inflatable like chairs. Um, oh yeah. We've got absolutely masks. We've got surfboards. We're developing a bike. We're developing skateboards. Um, anything, uh, you know, beach lifestyle, uh-huh. uh, we're sort of expanding the, the tower brand into that. Okay. And um, I'm, I'd love to have you back on the show at some other time to talk about how your 
thoughtfully expanding your brand. It is, it's, it's a particular interest and focus here for Critical Mass Radio Show because I believe growing your business is important, but a lot of entrepreneurs grow their business improperly and they end up with a less valuable business after they've grown it than they had before they did. So I'm, I'm curious how you, you said some magic words to me, one of them being you're focused around a, you know, a beach lifestyle kind of, which tells me you have a, some level of understanding and psychographic or profile of the ideal customer for you. Is that, is that fair to say? Well, what we're, what we're doing is, you know, we're a direct-to-consumer company. So this is happening in, you know, retail, sort of Amazon is, is taking over, basic retailers are going out of business. So there's this big wave of direct-to-consumer, and it's in, you know, thousands of, of verticals. Um, so we're a direct-to-consumer brand, but we, you know, want to be in a certain niche, so right. we want to be the direct-to-consumer company for that. You know, we also have a, a magazine, uh, Tower Magazine, which is at the URL tower.life, where we talk about, you know, beach lifestyle topics and sort of five-hour workday type stuff, like what to go out there and do now that you have all this free time. <laughs> um, so basically we're building an audience um, of, of people that are into this type of stuff, and, you know, that's maybe 65,000 users right now. Um, and we're going to grow that to maybe half a million, and then we'll make products for those people and sell those products because it's direct-to-consumer at about half the price you would pay for a comparable quality product You know, going through the retail, wholesale, distribution channel. Um, so the idea is to focus on this niche and then make it a big enough niche that it's you know we've got healthy growth and then also sort of own our own media so we don't have to basically advertise. We'll own the audience. And then if paddleboards come in and out of vogue, uh-huh. whatever the next thing is, we'll still have those customers. So this is how we're trying to make our company a more valuable company because, you know, e-commerce companies don't get the highest multiples. Um, you know, we want to become more of a, you know, a media-infused We're talking with Stefan Arstall here on Critical Mass Radio Show about a range of topics in this block. And and, and I I, I wanted to ask you, how did you come about, briefly, how did you come about to make the decision to launch a publication in support of your business? You know, it's just in in me sort of seeing what's going on in the the market and networking with other entrepreneurs. I mean, basically, um, you know, we, we, we're sort of an online marketing agency, and we feel we're sort of on the cutting edge of that. So we're watching what other people are doing. And so we do a lot of experiments. And the magazine is essentially, you know, an experiment to see, you know, will this work? Can we grow this? How many, you know, with, without using and throwing a lot of resources at it, can we grow a huge audience? And, you know, I know other people that are doing this, and it just, you know, they're just blowing it away. They have, you know, millions of followers on, you know, YouTube or something like that. You know, right. two people in a camera, and people are doing this. So you know, I'm sort of learning from them, and we're trying to apply it to our business. I find it interesting because our in our next uh, show that we're going to be doing here in a few minutes on octalkradio.net, and it'll be the next podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, I'm interviewing a gentleman who around the concept of content marketing. His name is Marcus Sheridan, and he's he's well known in that space. So I, we're looking for themes here today on Critical Mass Radio Show, and and I believe very much in the power of content marketing and and thought leadership. And so for you to have a publication that you're reaching sixty, you said sixty five thousand people with so far yep that's a that's a huge content marketing opportunity to you know get your brand out there for more than the products that you're selling that's that's outstanding so what's in the future for you you're you're a published you're a published author do you have another book that you're thinking about or or where you where are you going next as a serial entrepreneur 
you know, I never really intended to write a book. We just uh, <laughs> we moved to the five-hour workday, and I, I, I was writing articles for, for Inc. and Entrepreneur and a few magazines, and I would write about what we're doing in the business, and I've done that for three or four years. Uh-huh. Um, and then we moved to the five-hour workday, so I was writing about it, and, I mean, I put one article on Inc., and it got, like, you know, a 1,000 social shares. I did one on Mashable. It got, like, 15,000 social shares. Usually my articles will get, like, you know, 10 likes or something like that. <laughs> uh, so the response was, okay, this, this resonates with right. people. People are sort of fascinated. And the thing is, we're, you know, reducing hours, but we're increasing our productivity. It's not like we're this, you know, life. even though we're a beach lifestyle company, we're not a lifestyle company where we're just sitting back and, you know, resting on our laurels. Two years ago, we were the fastest growing company in San Diego, you know, a city of, you know, about general area of about 3 million people. Sure. We're a high-growth company focused on growth but doing it in a different way where you work more efficiently. So anyway, um, I thought, you know, hey, maybe I should write a book on this. We'll put a book in every paddleboard package that we send out, and, you know, that's twelve to 15000 a year, and we'll, it basically aligns with our brand, you know, and it it's really is sort of our why, and then we make the products that, you know, for recreation products that you can go out and live this sort of more extraordinary life. So it's a perfect fit for us. But I'm, I don't, I didn't have any uh, desires to, to write a book. I kind of, I find it kind of surprising that I did write a book. Um, you know, and it was well received. It wasn't bad. I mean, I was a horrible English student. You've exceeded my expectations in our interview here today. I was curious about the topic that you wrote about, and and picking up on your experience with Shark Tank. I think shared great value for our audience. So I want to. Thank you for being a friend of the program and kind of the part of the critical mass community. If people would like to buy your book, how do you suggest they do that? Um, you can get it on Amazon um, or go to the URL 5hourworkday.com and you can get the first you know, 50 pages for free uh, if you want to just sort of taste test it. But it's, uh, it's only sold through Amazon. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time, Stefan. I've enjoyed the conversation. Continued success and, and uh, look forward to speaking with you again here in the future on Critical Mass Radio Show. All right. Thank you for having me on. You're welcome. Have a good day. I'd like to thank our engineer for today. He's none other than Paul Roberts. Our producers are Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, Haley Stern, and I'm your host, Richard Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about the radio show podcast or the firm that I lead, visit my company's website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. And until our next show, and for those of you who are listening to us on the live stream here on octalkradio.net, that's going to be in just a few minutes. I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.